Hello, and thank you for listening to the Everything Must Go podcast. I'm Steven, alongside here with Brandon. Today is another Spotlight episode, and we are spotlighting Rob Kowalski, author of Why Waiting Works, and CEO of City Fam. Rob, how's it going? Well, awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. for being on. Cool. So just like a quick like tidbit on just who you are as a person and kind of what you're here to uh, talk about today. I uh, refer to myself as a form bad boy. I was once the biggest nightclub promoter and uh, male stripper in my hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. I had a life-changing encounter with, uh, with God uh, a few years ago, several years ago, actually, and uh, kind of turned everything around and uh, now wrote a book called Why Waiting Works. It's how fast sex prevents us from finding love and long-term happiness. And I uh, started an organization called CityVam that I'm super passionate about. I really ha- believe has the potential to um, change an individual, a city, and even the whole world. Yeah, that's what I love to talk about. Yeah, that's awesome. So what exactly is CityVam really quick? Like, what do you guys do? What's what's your outreach like? Sure, yeah. So. It really started, uh, you know, we have our tagline is connecting people with purpose, but that doesn't really tell you a lot. When I when I share my story with people, they really understand kind of uh, what it's about. So, like I said, I was I was the biggest uh, I was, the you know, in the phone book, I was the most popular stripper in Baltimore. I worked for every entertainment agency through my 20s. Um, I, I was became a nightclub promoter, you know, around 25 years old. I was running nightlife in Baltimore. I was doing events in D.C. and next part to say that city fam isn't faith-based but what like i said what happened to me is i i gave my life to god when i was 27 years old i had this kind of radical conversion yeah and uh you know did a complete 180 and i cut i basically friends i used to go party with because obviously they were making the same decisions that i had been making and um so i i kind of cut them off you know and started making better decisions uh healthier decisions, but my life got really boring. Right. Yeah. I I was staying in literally like every night and, uh, you know, I started looking for a group of people to hang out with. They just weren't out there. I didn't really relate to church people. Like they just, to me, they weren't like me. They, they, they were a little strange and they definitely weren't doing a whole lot of anything fun. So I was like, I couldn't find this group and, and really, you know, I was committed to not dating out of loneliness. Many people do when they hit the point that I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I ended up, I was literally abstinent for six years. So I always tell people that part of the story because I want them to understand how determined I was to change. Yeah. So from being the most promiscuous person that, you know, which is what I was to being abstinent for the next six years, unless you're really, really determined. But because of the group of people, uh, and I was, I literally just would go to the movies pretty much every weekend. I was just trying to avoid trouble, avoid sin, I guess is, you know, what, what a, Christians would say. And I just, after six years, I got just so burnt out. I got so pent up um, in, in need of like social interaction that I just, re- I went back to the bars because that was the only place that I knew that I could relate to. And I thought, I thought I could handle it. I thought I was stronger than I was. And just slowly, one by one, I started picking up my old bad habits to the point where, over the, by the over the next five years, I, I just I became pretty much the exact same person that I had been prior. Except now, I just felt guilty because I knew better. Yeah. In 2011, I, I rededicated. I kind of, you know, got plugged into a local church. But I went through the same exact period for the next year where I was staying at home every night, read Redbox movies by myself because I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't know what to do or who to deal with. And uh, I, I, I tell the story often, and it's true. It's funny now, but I, I was literally like a Saturday night, and I rented Dolphin Tail from Redbox because I'd seen every other movie. <laughs> I was so pissed off. Yeah, I was so pissed off, and I was like, this is bullshit. Like, this is what – if this is what people have to go through if they want to change their life, like they'll never do it because it's just too difficult. And I'm like, not you know, not even just God. I'm just like, maybe you want to get sober. Maybe you want to stop womanizing. Whatever your thing is, maybe you're just trying to stop. And like, you know, it's so it's so difficult to do. I, I believe it's actually impossible to do without community. And um, 
complaining to somebody and they're like, well, you were a promoter. Why don't you just start putting in events together that kind of get you out of the house and won't cause you to make mistakes? So that's exactly what I started doing. I started organizing social events really kind of for selfish reasons. Think what we call fun without regrets. Now, you know, little by little, this our, our group began to grow. There were people that were looking for healthier alternatives to what was being offered, let's say. And, um, and I was volunteering a lot through my church right around this time. I was really starting to like myself again. But man, I got friends that need to feel this way that aren't part of church. And they'll, they'll never come to a, a, a church-sponsored coat drive or whatever. But but I know that they need this healing. This thing, they need to feel the way that I'm feeling. Yeah. Organizing service events for, for you know, my friends. And because we're not faith-based, they felt a lot um, – to calm you know and join and and really what i found is when you give people healthy alternatives to, for fun you know something to do besides the wrong thing let's say yeah and you and you give them opportunities to give back and get their eyes off themselves they change mm-hmm. they they actually become a, a better version of themselves and you'll see people get sober and break up with their shitty boyfriend or girlfriend because they're not thirsty and they have friends now and they'll leave that dead end job and start a business. There's all kinds of, I've seen amazing miracles happen, but it really starts with having that support system. And that's really what we try to do is we try to give people, so we give them, you know, like I said, social events, fun things to do that they're not going to feel guilty about on Monday. We give them opportunities to give back, which is really, if when you're not part of a church, it's it's kind of hard to get into volunteering. I'd wanted to volunteer for years before I started. I just didn't know how. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like very few people will show up at a soup kitchen by themselves and be like, hey, I'd like to feed some homeless people. How does this work? You know, so right. we, we just kind of kind of come along you know, right alongside their death, you know, their everyday life. And just then they're like, Oh, wow. You know, I've always wanted to do something like that. I just didn't know how. And then you'll see people just start giving back. And then, and then that really changes people, man. Like volunteering does something, uh, you know, there's, it's proven that it gives you like releases of chemicals in your brains that are very similar to drugs, except there's no negative, you know, side effects from them later, which is amazing. So, um, that's really our whole model is really helping people become the best version of themselves through the context of community. So that's yeah. what. We're yeah, that that's, that's awesome. I, I totally relate to the whole, like you need a church to, to find an avenue to have, like volunteer and to help people and how some people, if they don't have any religious affiliation, it can be kind of difficult to feel like you're a part of something. So I bet you do get a lot of uh, interesting people who do reach out to you. Yeah. I mean, it does. I I mean, I love, I love Jesus and I love the church, but it's, it's, you know, it doesn't fit everybody necessarily. And I can completely relate to it because when I first started going, I was just like the, you know, I just was like, this is what I, this is my life now. This is what I, I guess I have to, you know, tolerate almost. And and it, I don't know that it, you know, because the way that maybe it's packaged, you know, um, and I just, I don't necessarily subscribe to every, you know, the way it's packaged. I just had a big Halloween party, you know, last weekend, the city fam. And, you know, you get religious people and that just rubs them the wrong way. But it, to me, it just, it doesn't matter. There's just a lot of extra religious um, bullshit that gets thrown into the mix. And, and uh, at least me personally, I try to separate myself from all that. Now, well, let me ask you this actually. So, before you kind of became the, I don't know, before you kind of like hit a wall where you decided that the lifestyle that you had before wasn't really working for you, was there a moment where it hit you really hard? Like, oh, you know, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm in theory, like this lifestyle is supposed to be really enjoyable. But at the end of the day, like you wake up and you realize I'm not actually happy doing this. This was just something that society makes you feel like you need to do. Was there like a specific moment where it hit you that maybe now you should try to look at life a little bit differently? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I remember, so I mean, I was, when I was promoting, you know, before I had my, you know, awakening, like there were times where I remember questioning myself, like why I was spending all this energy on women specifically, because I would, you know, that was my, that was my kryptonite was women. And I would spend a lot of energy pursuing uh, girls and then I would get them and then I, as soon as I would get them I didn't even want them you know like they I literally would have sex with girls and I just 
it would be on to the next one. Like that, that was kind of my MO. And I was uh, thought, why am I spending all this energy into something that doesn't satisfy me? I couldn't figure it out. There was this hole that I was trying to fill and I couldn't fill it, but I was going a thousand miles an hour in the wrong direction. So to be honest, I evaluated that much because I was so caught up in the lifestyle. I was so caught up in being me. I was, I was, you know, I was getting paid to party for the most part. And I had all the benefits that came with that women and money and popularity and everything, like you said, everything I thought should make me happy and I couldn't fill it. And things were spiraling out of control for sure. And, um, that's really when I had this life changing encounter with Jesus. Really. I, I got baptized in the Holy spirit. I don't really talk about it as much detail, but, um, like all of a sudden I was really aware that, 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 uh, you know, God was real and Jesus was who he said he was. And, I had to, it was like taking the red pill in the matrix where I just now had to make some really hard decisions. And that's when I cut everybody off. And, and, uh, but by the second time when I backslid is what they call it in Christianese, I, I was out, I knew that I was out of control. Like I basically, the devil just had me, you know, and I, I was caught up again and I didn't even know how to stop. And you know, like I would wake up. I mean, this, this is what I say to people. I was like, look, no doubt sin is fun, you know, or just people that are list, aren't listening. Maybe they're not a believer. You said doing the wrong thing. Sometimes living selfishly is fun in the moment. It's fun. But later or produces a negative benefit. Living selflessly isn't fun in the moment. Usually, usually it's painful, actually. But later it produces positive benefits that last. Wake up after these, you know, weekend parties. You know, I'd be partying Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. And I just, on Monday, I didn't like the person I saw looking back at me in the mirror. You know, I just didn't like the way I felt about myself. I didn't, I thought that other people had negative feelings about me. But, but, but then again, by Wednesday, Thursday, you start forgetting those feelings. And then the weekend comes around and you do it again. And that's how, that's how you get caught up into this cycle and um finally was able to break out of it and i started volunteering that was really a big part of what helped me start liking myself again because i was now making a contribution i'm i'm curious for i mean you know you feeling like you had this awakening where you know things kind of came from a faith-based place. Were you religious growing up? Is that why that was kind of a go-to for you? What was the reason why, you know, religion or I guess a belief in, in who Jesus was and all this stuff, why was that the thing that kind of hit home for you? Yeah. So I, my grandmother was a Christian and my uncle was also when I was a growing up and she took me she raised me till I was about four or five used to take me to church but my mom wasn't really there when I when I was young she had me super young you know had me when she was 15 years old and pretty much raised me without my dad um years old four or five I think um so it didn't you know I pretty much raised myself I got my uncle put me in uh a couple Christian schools I think he put me in three Christian schools growing up, four Christian schools. I got kicked out of three of them. I ended up getting expelled from a public school in my senior year. I became a stripper at the age of 19 years old. Like I was just bad, you know, you know, and maybe it's from not having a father figure, but I think I'm just kind of a little rebellious by nature. Yeah. But, um, didn't think about God, to be honest. Like I I tell people, he just didn't cross my mind. My God was pleasure. And, but, but, in Cancun, it was the year was 2000. It was 18 years ago. I was there for spring break with a bunch of friends. We were partying like rock stars. And all I know is what I woke up, I heard God's voice loud and clear. It was, it wasn't audible, but it was, it was un, as unmistakable as your voice is now. Hmm. And he said, follow me, trust me, I have a plan for you. And I saw numerous signs that he left me that I wasn't supposed to see until it was time, I guess. And, uh, you know, I've been doing my best to follow ever since. Not that I've been perfect, not, not at all. Um, but I, I definitely was aware. And up until then, I wasn't. It was just like a sixth sense that he activated when, when the time was right. Okay. 
So t- tell us about the origin of specifically the uh, why waiting works, uh, you know, movement, because this is a separate thing from City Fam. This is kind of a focus on abstinence for you and, and this this book that you came up with. Where did that come from specifically? Yeah. So when I first started following God, so this is really what I guess what makes my story, I think, probably the most unique is God's voice when he called me. And, you know, the, one of the things that he told me, like r- right up front, he said, if you wait, wait to you. OK. And I heard it and I believed him. Now, I, I like I said, I was the most promiscuous person I knew. And I thought, OK. And I remember praying. I said to God, I said, well, you better make it fast because, you know, I don't wait long. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be a couple weeks, maybe a month or two. And it turned into six years. And I did not understand the concept of waiting to have sex one bit when I started. To me, it was just a dumb idea. Sex was like a massage. If it feels good, do it. Why would you wait? That's dumb. I waited six years. And then I don't know when I started to really understand the concept like I do now. I think it was, I think it came from the fact that I, I waited and then I went back to that life for a while and then I rededicate it. And somewhere along the way i got it like and i honestly feel like i can explain that this principle better than anyone on earth it's so practical that it's almost like trying to argue that exercise isn't good for you and um and i'm I'm passionate about sharing it with people because i didn't understand it myself and now i do and i really see it jack people's lives up when they don't get it when they don't learn to manage that appetite i don't think that you know that it really can screw your life up in major ways. Um, and I think if people understand it, then they have a better chance of knowing what to look for and how to avoid those mistakes. Well, okay. So let me ask you a little bit about this. So when you were actively having sex with people and you weren't thinking about any, any of the, I guess any of the negatives at the time, like, or you weren't fully conscious of it. And then sometime later on you start realizing, Oh, there were actually a lot of, negatives to it does that just hit you in a a big wave all of a sudden where you realize oh uh all of that was just fun in the moment all that was just something but i was actually like screwing up myself mentally was there like a certain moment where you felt this way or how did that whole concept kind of hit you because it normally in our society nowadays everyone's all focused on like uh, on sex like sex is a huge part of our society nowadays you hear it in all the lyrics and songs so I'm just kind of wondering as to like, how do you start even having this idea since it's kind of going against the grain of what's sort of cool and popularized in American culture? Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely not, not a popular subject to talk about. It was super hard for me to start, um, you know, to start the conversation because I was like, God, how is this going to look if I start talking? Because I was very public with my dirt. Like people knew the player, you know, and, and yeah and was a promoter and a stripper and all that, but I couldn't not talk about it because it was just too important. So like I, even when I guess when I stopped, you know, the first time I think, I think men as men, we know, know kind of what's right and wrong, you know, and people like to try to pretend like, you know, men and women are the same. Look, we're, we're equals, but we aren't the same, especially when it comes to sexuality. Like if, when a woman, you know, 99 times out of 100, a woman is going to say when, when we have sex. You know, very rarely is a man going to say, well, we need to wait, right? As fast <laughs> oh, yeah. as a woman will give it. Because at, at, if you boil it down to the base, and this is what I tell people, is because women want security and men want sex. So when a woman will, what will typically happen is a woman will give the sex, especially in today's culture, because it's just so expected and there's no stigma behind it anymore. Sex. And then they'll chase the man around for the thing that he's in control of, which is the relationship. So they'll hold out for either a, a, a committed for the man to commit and make her, her his girlfriend and then a proposal, which may or may not ever come. And just not only is it bad for, for the woman because it puts her in a position of weakness because, it, you know, she gives her power away on, on some level. To the man is and this is what happened to me and I explained it to people. Um, 
you know, as a way for them selfishly is if a woman gives you sex as a man, almost never is a man going to say no to sex. It's almost like getting free money, right? You have very rarely. (laughs) (laughs) So, but what'll happen is, is, is if a woman sleeps with you over and over, eventually she starts to grow in you, even if you weren't interested initially, and then you start feeling obligated to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you, you don't, then you start feeling a little jealous of her and you might not want anyone else to have sex with her. So then you got a wife her and then, but you're not happy with her and you're looking over your shoulder, wondering if you could be happier with someone else, but you got this girl that you don't want anybody else to have sex with her. You got some type of connection with, and every time you break up, you get back together and you know what I mean? And this is, this is what happens a lot. The average amount of dates is, that a um, couple uh, goes on before they sleep together in the United States is three. And you don't know who anybody is after three dates. I mean, and I, I ex- explain this very practically to people that's happened to all of us a thousand times. How many times have you met a member of the opposite sex that at first you're like, ooh, you know, your flesh kind of jumps up and you're like, ooh, they're hot. But oh, then, yeah. For whatever reason, <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, you don't date, two weeks go by, and then all of a sudden you kind of look at them, you're like, yeah, they're attractive, but mm, not for me. Yeah. But imagine that. That happens because at that point now you broke through the surface level, right? And this is what happens. And this is why people say the sex stops after you get married. Think about it. Because what happens is they bang after the third date or sooner. And then they end up getting stuck with somebody. And guess what? The sex stops because they married the wrong person. To evaluate clearly because what happens is you got all these hormones. They pump through your systems with sex. Something called oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. And now all of a sudden you can't think clearly and you start, it feels like love. You, you're kind of in love with the idea of them, but guess what? You're not really in love. You didn't connect on a deep level because that takes time to figure out and you had sex too soon. So you marry the wrong person and you waste your whole life living unhappily ever after with the wrong person. It happens all the time. I'm, I'm really curious. How, how does this, you know, the, this, I guess movement that you're trying to, uh, you know, preach and and get out there to people on this stuff. How does it translate to different like demographics? Because we're, you know, in that specific example, you're talking about, you know, men want, you know, sex and women want security. Is there any like what about like same sex couples? Do you, yeah. h- how do you handle like those kind of circumstances where it's a man and a man or a woman and a woman? Does that those variables play into your theory at all? Um, you know, I think if you wait, like I've been asked that question by, uh, homosexuals before and I'm like, yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't work. Now I've never been with someone of the same sex, so I can't say for sure, but you know, I mean, (laughs) uh, maybe, you know, but I usually not, you know, usually people, men aren't going to wait for shit. Let's be honest. Like, you know, when you get, when you get two guys together, I I don't, they're not going to wait very long. So, but if they, if they would, if they said, Hey, you know, maybe he's right. I think it would work. I do. I think it would work because here, this is what it boils down to. We're all selfish works is because we know it's hard to get out of. So imagine if I was to say, you know, I, to one of my, I got plenty of beautiful girlfriends and I get lonely. Sometimes I get tired of going home by myself. I've been, you know, abstinent for the most part for the last six and a half years. I did make this mistake three and a half years ago. I always have to mention convince myself that I'm in love with any one of them, right? Just to, just to give my flesh what it wants. I could be like, you know, maybe I am in love with her. She's, you know, she hits all these points on my mental checklist. And I was, imagine if I was to go up to him and say, Hey Sally, you know, I love you. I think I love you. You know, let's have sex. And she says, you too let's just run down to the justice of the peace real quick and get married first though i'd be like let me think about this a little bit longer right because Mm -hmm. we we know it's hard to get out of that's the point i believe that god gave us marriage so that we evaluate our heart to see if it's telling us the truth so we don't get wrapped up with somebody that we're not in love with and spend years with the wrong person yeah so that actually kind of segues into another kind of question that I had, how do you feel about people who maybe have no interest in getting married? Like, do you think that they should just remain abstinent? Do you think that maybe if you have no interest in getting married, that 
uh, there is a certain point in which you it would be okay for you to do it. Like, how how do you feel about people who just really aren't looking to do it? Ask me that all the time. Like, they're like, well, what if I don't want to get married? And I think they could get hung up on the word marriage. So, what if I was to say to you, "Hey, do you want a best friend that you're physically attracted to?" Yes, I'm you. Marriage is just a tool to help you figure out who that person is. You know what I mean? Surrounded by beautiful women all the time right now within, with City Fam. And it boils down to this. I look at them and I ask myself, and now, can I be, I can cuss, obviously, right? I've already oh, done oh, it. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> We've heard I, it all. <laughs> I, I can look at them and say, would you sign the contract to get the pussy? Yes, that's as blunt as I can make it. Would I sign the marriage contract? To get the pussy and i go no hey a girl's gonna come along and i'm gonna ask myself that question and you know what i'm gonna be i'm gonna have a big smile on my face i'm gonna say yeah i will i'll be real happy to sign it too and that's how i'll know who that best friend that i'm physically attracted to is okay uh, i i'm glad that you you clarified that people getting caught up on the word marriage and and like that institution within this theory because a lot of honestly what i was getting caught up on when i you know listening to your 10 reasons to wait and you know all of this stuff a lot of it was like well it sounds kind of like marriage is being put on a pedestal why why isn't the standard for you know taking you know sex seriously why isn't it just love like why isn't it just you know, valuing it, you know, completely rather than being like, I'm going to wait till marriage to start evaluating what is right and what, what makes sense for a strong partnership. Yeah, no, I love that you made that point because that's actually in my book. It says no sex before love is one of my chapters. Hmm. And when you talk about no sex before marriage, it sounds radical. It sounds extreme and people, they just can't understand it. But if I was to say, what about no sex before love? Then people go, well, yeah, I, I, that makes sense. I can get my mind around that one. I can, I can get behind that. It all boils down to what I just said. So love, will you, you be willing to marry that person in order to have sex with them? Because honestly, if you take it back to the Bible, th that's, Sex was marriage. If you had sex with a, a woman outside of marriage, guess what? She was your wife now. Hmm. Something yeah. basically that didn't belong to you. And if you have sex with her, and it's the same thing that I'm saying. The reason that it works that, to not is because you, have, you run that risk of having that with that person. Number one, you could get hemmed up with her, right, with the wrong person, which happened to me on a couple occasions. Girls that I was just – sex with me that I told him up front. I'm, I'm not interested in anything. I'm not looking for anything. But guess what? Monday would come around and they would text me and say, hey, I, I got a movie and I made some dinner. Would you like me to come over? And you, you say yes enough times to that. And then all of a sudden you get attached and then five years go by and then you're with the wrong person or you get married and 50 years go by. And then you're that couple at the diner that aren't talking to each other, which we've all seen. Oh, yeah. you know, didn't pump the brakes. So the question was how I went off on that tangent, but um, <laughs> no, you're good. You're, I mean, what was the, what was the, what was the, the point? Oh, the uh, sex before love. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. at the end of the, like if you sex before love, you know, can problems. So if you just boil down, like on a very base level, you got STDs, you got pregnancy, Right. And if you get someone pregnant that you're not in love with, there's only a few outcomes. There's a single parent home. There's an abortion. There's an adoption or there's a loveless relationship. All of those suck. Yeah. So there's a lot of problems to sex before love. Well, hold on a second. I actually have to. My parents had me when they were 16 and they're still together with. Uh, I have three younger sisters, and I would say that they have a happy marriage. So that's that's another possibility as well. That's a good what, point. Were, yeah. they, were they married? No, they weren't married when they had had me. Yeah. They were sixteen. It's not impossible. Even waiting isn't a guarantee. It's not. You know, you're, there's no guarantee that it's gonna. Uh, you know that you are gonna find love, the love of your life. But I just think you significantly increase your odds. Yeah, you know? okay. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I, that's a big thing. I think because part you know, 
I, I think 100% your point about pregnancy is huge because, I mean, there's so many times we see people who are just within themselves not ready to be parents. But then you couple that with the idea of an unstable relationship trying to be a, you know, two partners trying to be parents, even if they can't stay together as partners. Like, it's just a mess. It's an absolute uh, disaster. But I think, I think the idea specifically of what you're saying of you're looking at it as how do we set ourselves up for success the best way? And I think that was, that's something that I respect about what you're saying here, because I think a lot of times like, you know, I, I hear, you know, I watch your videos and I'm like, this is kind of bold to just say that this is exactly what works, but it, it sounds more like this is coming from a place of trying to, to do the best to set us up for success, not necessarily saying this is the right and only way that you can be successful. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's no guarantees in life. You know, you could do everything right and still get a bad result. You know, I've had people leave comments on my videos and they said, well, I waited and you know, this turned out, you know, whatever happened. And look, <laughs> someone says that we, we banged on the first date. And we're madly in love. Like that, that, ha- that can happen. Right. But, but know that you're beating the odds if that does happen. The app, you know, the rate of divorce is somewhere around 50%, right? And, and I, I think that the, the, the percentage of people that stay married isn't that, that, that aren't happy isn't that high. I, I don't know what it is because there's no, there's no poll out there that measures it. But, you know, I, it, I don't think, I, I, if I had to guess, I'd say it's you know, maybe it's 20% of the people that stay married are really happy, deeply happy. You know, other people stay together because of the kids or they stay together because it's cheaper to keep or financial reasons or whatever. What, what people stay together of the 50% that stay together, what percentage of them are, are staying together really because they're happy? I don't know, you know, but I, what I do know is that if you, if you do this the way that everybody else does, the odds are stacked against you of you being one of those people. Because yeah, no, I, 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 I totally agree with that. And I, I just know from personal experience that I did it both ways. You know, I, and what you get one way is, you know, you can get stuck with the wrong people. You can get somebody pregnant. You, you burn a lot of relationships with people that could have just been great friends that could have, you know, been in your corner for other things that maybe you would have needed them for. But of course, as soon as you, as soon as you stop having sex with them and you want to have sex with someone else, guess what? They're gone. They ain't your friend no more. Right. Or maybe not, not for a while at least mm-hmm. there. But what, when you take, instead of, you know, using that energy and what I've, I've talked about is nofap and people people nofap is the newest the newest uh the newest term for sex transmutation yeah. is you just take that oh, energy yeah. and you just use it on yourself you know i in the last six years man i've read so many books i've volunteered i've gotten so active at my church and in my community i like i absolutely became the best version of myself my workouts are on point my mind is so clear and i believe now that i could be a good husband and that because i I became this person, I will attract that person before I attracted it like bimbos and that stripper, you know, like that's because that's who I was. So that's what I was attracting. And I wonder why my, why my relationships don't work out. Or I, you know, I think I'll, I, I, I'm, you know, why are all these crazy bitches around me? Well, guess what? Uh, you know, a crazy asshole or whatever, you know what I mean? So you're yeah. just attracting what you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool to hear, you know, you kind of coming. I, I think one of the things I respect about, um, you know, you pushing on this movement is that you come from a place of being on the other end. You know, some people might look at it as like, how can we listen to this guy? Because he was one of those people doing all that other stuff. But I think it's actually more powerful because you were there and realized, hey, I'm undervaluing this thing that actually should be very important and you can speak from that level of experience so i yeah i I agree well i i want to elaborate on that too even a little bit like if you were just some like obvious nerd or like just someone who like clearly just was socially awkward or socially inept completely and i don't kind of lived inside a box their whole life it would undoubtedly take away the power behind you starting this movement so one of the things that i really really like and appreciate about it is that you're coming from as Brandon said, like this entire perspective that you have on the lifestyle that a lot of people like idolize, like the people, they always talk about how incredible that this would be and blah, blah, blah. And you're able to take that and say, Hey, you know, 
as great as that sounds, I'm going to be realistic with you. That doesn't bring happiness. And as a result, here's what I've learned. And I just think that that part is something that I find to be really, really powerful and impactful. I appreciate that. And I, you know, I talk like some people talk, uh, people that are celibate, they're like, well, yeah, it's forced celibacy. <laughs> they don't really have any other options. Yeah, but- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what my thought was. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I appreciate that you said that because, you know, there, I, I've heard about certain drug counseling clinics where you have to have been an addict in order to be a counselor because there's just mm-hmm. some things that you don't understand unless you've been there. Like some Definitely. some people just, you know, if you've never used heroin and somebody comes along and wants to try to counsel you on using heroin, you're probably not going to listen to them. Right. So but what I what I think, you know, because that lie is so deeply embedded by the world of telling us that this is, you know, this is as men, we have to conquer women. And, you know, but if you look at somebody like Charlie Sheen, happy, because I would venture to guess he's not, dude, he was the pinnacle of this life, you know, (laughs) and and he's a shell of himself. He's like, to me, I look at somebody like Tim Tebow. That's a man. That is a real man, you know? And, lie that the world feeds us and when you take that bait man it produ- it just produces darkness and i you know i literally like i said i would wake up on mondays and i just didn't like the way i felt about myself i felt empty and i it no i had so much sex i had sex with hundreds of women and i could not fill that hole mm-hmm. it just could not be filled. now i have no sex but i walk around with my head up high you know i have like a sense of pride and self-esteem i feel like a man yeah yeah that's like really cool yeah i i'm curious so what has you know the response and feedback been on on this movement since you've uh started this has it been mainly positive had have you had some adversity some negativity coming back because like we talked about this is a tough subject to bring up because sex is so uh i guess pedestalized in in our society so what what's the reaction been like oh it's been mixed you know for sure it was probably more negative than positive when i first started talking about it just because i i had it it was probably more shocking than anything when i came out and and started talking about it although people knew my stance you know like Mm -hmm. when i when i messed up three and a half years ago um i had been pretty vocal about it up until then um you know locally you know like on my post on social media and i slept with a girl and um media i told people about it because i was i just wanted to keep myself accountable you know because i was afraid that it was you know i didn't want to go down that road again it already already got me once Mm -hmm. and i was so i I posted it on social media and at that point i i I established really strong boundaries because i had pretty good boundaries up until then but now my, my boundaries are, are I don't even spend time alone with women. I won't I won't watch a movie with a girl at my house or at her house. I might ride in a car with a girl, but that would be as far as I'd go just because I don't trust myself. Like I that time I made a mistake, it was just a completely uh, unintentional. And I just I, it, I couldn't stop. Like once we started making out, I could not stop. So um, but. Yeah, it's been mixed reviews, but now it's pretty good. You know, now it's pretty positive, and more people are coming around. Even people that I used to party with back in the day, um, people that I would, you know, have these crazy, you know, some of the parties I used to throw when I was in the clubs before I I met uh, God was they were just completely out of control. Like people naked in the clubs, like live sex acts on the dance floor. It was it was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've even some of those people now starting to come around because. You know, at some point you realize that the road's not going anywhere. You know, it, it, it's not it's not what you thought it was. And you, you you start to see value in other things. So that that to me is really the most rewarding. When I when I see people that I used to party with that I get to share this new life with, because I'm still I feel like we're still like each other. You know, we're still the same people. I might not relate to church people necessarily. I probably do relate to this person that I used to be in the clubs with. But now we're just on a different path together. Right. Well, I'm pretty actually interested in, in the fact that you said that there was a lot of like n- negativity towards this movement at first. Like, yeah. what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, so you could just tell by our conversation. I mean, I, I talk a lot about about God, even though I'm not having any sex. So you you would get people come out and say, oh, City Fam is a cult. 
I've heard uh, that my, must have heard that a hundred times. And I'm like, bro, in 100%, the cult leader was having sex with all the girls. <laughs> so this, this definitely passes the cult sniff test because I'm not having sex with anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but you know, you would just get, you would just get dumbasses say stuff like that it's because they, I think people, when they don't understand something, they try to, you know, dismiss it or they try to criticize it or, you know, Oh yeah. Hate on. So I heard that, you know, um, mostly, mostly things like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I have, uh, so one of the things that we did while we were kind of preparing for talking to you is, you know, watch some of your videos and stuff. And I just kind of wanted to, you know, throw some stuff at you and then you just kind of talk about it. Um, cause you know, I, I think, a lot of people that listen to this will have a strong reaction to the idea of, oh, you're just saying, you know, stop having sex. How is that exactly the answer? So I kind of want, I think I, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up some of this stuff. So the first thing I want to talk about is in your, um, you know, 10 reasons uh, why you should wait video, You number 10 was that you know, sex masks problems. You know, if you stop having sex, you know, the problems can come to the surface. My question within that is, couldn't that just mean that in this instance, maybe you were focusing on sex in that relationship, that maybe the problem is on you to, these problems, you were just, they're on you to rectify. And and I wonder if maybe just blaming sex for that takes away the accountability of yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it, there's biology behind it, that there is a bonding hormone that, you know, oxytocin that's released during sex. So that definitely makes you attach, makes you feel attached to someone. So if you're attaching to the wrong person, you know, like the sex can kind of, I don't know if you've ever broken up with someone that you weren't in a physical relationship with versus someone that you are in a physical relationship with. It's a lot easier to break up with someone that you haven't been physical with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it, for me, at least from just speaking from experience that when I cut it off, uh, because, and this is what I, if somebody's listening to this, this uh, podcast and they're in a relationship with someone because people will say to me, Oh, it's too late. I've already been doing it. Like, like you can't start making the right decisions now. Of course you can. If you're in a relationship that you're not sure that's going anywhere, the best way to audit that relationship is to stop having sex, have a very intentional conversation with your partner. This is what I did. I went to my girlfriend and I said, look, we're really in love. Or I, what I said is I don't know if we're built to last. I think the way that for us to find out is sex. And and if we both become convinced that we're in love, we will get married and then we'll have all the sex. Convinced that we're not in love, then we should break up and stop wasting each other's time. Hmm. We did. We broke up. Because look, when you do that, the, the, it all boils down to our selfishness. Because I want to have sex again. And I know you want to have sex again. And if we're really in love, let's just go get married. Hmm. We're going to figure it out because I want to have sex again. If I came over to your house and said, I'm starving. Are you hungry? Because if you're not hungry, I'm going to go eat without you. But if you're hungry, I'll take you. You know what I mean? Like, it's that simple. Are we going to eat or not? Let's shit or get off the pot. Because people would just drift through the relationship for years with the wrong person. And they'll never have the hard conversation because they're giving each other what they need. Or, or maybe they're not even giving each other what they need. I'll meet couples and they're like, well, we stopped having sex years ago. Hmm. That's a problem. Like sex is a huge part of a relationship. I don't want to do that. I want to have more sex. Than, I want to have more sex than everybody else. This is just my strategy for finding it. Like I don't want the sex to stop after I get married. I want the sex to start when I get married. And I want it to last for 50 years. Do you find it difficult because you are under this mindset, do you find that it's difficult to have relationships with, with women? Like, are they very, like, do they look at this in a negative light or what's that experience been like for you? No, actually they're, they're attracted to it. Like you attract a higher quality person. And this is what I tell people that are, some people are afraid to do this because they think, and this is what, you know, I believe that there's an enemy in the world, that there's a devil and he, he always tries to get you with fear. Cause it, he'll, he'll tell you, 
and try to hit you with fear. No one will, no one will do that. No one will wait. No one waits anymore. And your fear will prevent you from doing it. And what, but what happens is it, it, right now, if I, if I meet women, a woman, and she tells me that she's committed to waiting, you know what I do now? I lean in. It intrigues me. It's not committed to waiting. Honestly, I'm like, damn, because everybody else has probably been beating it up. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm looking for. So she's the person that the girl that doesn't wait or a guy that doesn't wait is going to attract other people that are lower quality. Now, if, if you make that decision to wait, it might take a little bit longer for you to find that person, but you'll attract some, you'll attract a person that's ready for marriage. That's looking for love, not someone that's just looking for sex. And that's just going to be a shitty boyfriend or girlfriend to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. That's a good segue into my next thing is, you know, in in one of your points, you talked about having multiple sex partners increases, you know, your, your chances, chances of divorce. I think that was in point eight or something. It was sex connects us. Um, I, I think a huge key part of what you, you talk about and something that I respect is because I do think as a society, we devalue sex in itself. You know, but I, I'm wondering too, because, you know, within that, that statement of having multiple sex partners is, increases your chances of divorce. It's from, from research that I've seen, it's partially true. I, I saw that obviously, well, not obviously, but absolutely no partners have the least chance of divorce. And then one partner is the second, but then three to nine partners was like the middle ground of most successful marriages. And then two partners was actually the worst. So for for somebody who maybe, you know, listening to what you're saying and maybe they're on their second partner or something and, and they're worried about, you know, wait a second, I, now I've already had this experience and now I only have these two people to go off of. Do you give any validity to the idea of, you know, getting to know people on that intimate level before making the decision of marrying them? No, I don't. Not not to the validity of of that. Now, just to touch on your, the, what you mentioned with that study, because I know the study that you're talking about. Lo, the lowest is zero. People that marry as virgins have the lowest uh, rate of divorce. And right. People that have above 10 have the highest. And you're right, and I think one is the second lowest, and then there is that that. No, that, people uh, with two were the were the highest. People with ten plus were the second well, highest. Not, while we're talking, I'm going to pull this up because I want to I want to check that. I'm pretty sure that what I think three to nine may have been lower than two, but I'm sure that ten plus is the highest. Another cool thing is that. Uh, who waited till marriage have 22% higher relationship stability, 20% higher relationship satisfaction, 15% better sex, and 12% better communication. So they actually have better sex lives for people that waited. And I, I do think that kind of makes sense. I mean, the actual idea of waiting is something that I, I do really think this is a good movement because you do appreciate things when you've actually have to like uh, work towards them. And that whole idea of I think everyone can relate to in life. If you wait for something and then like the longer you wait and then it finally happens, it's usually like incredible when it finally happens. Yeah. So this is, this is, it says, it says women with zero to one partners were the least likely to divorce three to nine partners. So we're less likely to divorce than women with two partners. There is that anomaly there. Women with 10 or more partners were the most likely to divorce. Hmm. Ten, 10 plus is the most zero, zero to one is the least now as far as that two and three to nine i can't explain that but mm-hmm. i think that's enough evidence when you say zero to one is the least and 10 plus is the most that there is definitely some correlation to the fact that the more people you sleep with the greater chance that you're going to have of getting the divorce period there's no way around that so regardless of there if there's an you know uh, but does that mean that I'm trying to send a message to someone that slept with 10 plus people that they're automatically going to get a divorce? No. I mean, honestly, I've, I've made more mistakes than 99.9% of the people that are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. But it, at some point you have to realize that you're going in the wrong direction and you have to stop and course correct. 
And that's what I'm recommending people to do. And I right. do believe, you know, like I, I, I think sex is a connection mechanism. And I think that you can break it, that you can break that connection mechanism. Because if you're attached to people and you keep pulling away, because that's what it was supposed to be for. Imagine that someone is a virgin or they zero to one, like it says in this study. They have sex with their, their husband or their wife on their their wedding night, and they bond together. They cleave, as the Bible says. It says the two will become one flesh. That's what the Bible says. They bond together, and what it does is it keeps the family unit together to get them through all the storms of life. Because, you know, I believe that God didn't want single-parent homes. You know, he wanted both a mother and a father. So he gave them this bonding hormone to keep them together to weather all the storms. But what happens is when we treat it like recreation and we bond and we pull together and pull away, we bond and we pull away. And eventually we don't bond like we used to start not being able to do have intimacy issues. And, you it, you know, even if you do get lucky enough to meet that right person, maybe you don't stick together like you used to. Now, I, I believe and I don't have any evidence to prove it, but I believe that it can be restored with time, you know, and that's probably why I've been single for as long as I have, because to heal me. And, and make me okay for when he does want to bring this person into my life that I can have a successful relationship. So, But at some point, going back to what we said, at some point you have to realize that you're going in the wrong direction and you have to stop and you have to course correct and start heading in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, I think the emphasis on accountability here is is humongous. You know, you have to have the desire to actively participate in in uh, traveling down uh, a path that actually might be more bring more sustainable happiness. And I think that, that, that rings accountability to, to try to pay attention to, you know, what am I actually using this for? And should I be paying more attention to, you know, maybe the devaluing of something that should be more special or significant? Right. Yep. Yeah. So I, I was going to say, how did you get started with the whole making YouTube videos thing? So I, I was doing a little vlogging. I, I watched a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. Really like him. He, oh yeah, he yeah. Encourages you to, to um, you know, document what you're going, you know, whatever you're passionate about. And I was super passionate about City Fam and uh, and sex, but I didn't talk as much about that early on. It was more just about City Fam. Um, but I had, my sister was going to do a documentary years ago on men, and she interviewed me, and I I had the same opinions back in 2012 that I have now, uh, again, I feel like I can explain it probably better than anyone. And, and it came out pretty good. I posted it and, uh, you know, got some positive, uh, response. A lot of women were like, Oh my God, this is so good. You know, like you, you, you know, you, you're the realist and you break it down so plainly. Um, but then, you know, again, six, close to six, I guess five and a half years went by. And, um, I put that 10 reasons video out. And it sat at around, I don't know, 800 to 1,000 views forever. And and I wrote the book. Again, just what I kind of told you guys earlier is I wrote the book because I wanted, I wanted a way to talk about CityFam. I really wanted to be able to uh, explain what it was to people so they could understand and hopefully attract some resources. So I, I, I wrote the book. And right as the, as the book was coming to completion, the YouTube video started shooting up and getting – you know, 10, 20, one day you got 30,000 views in a day. And now it's the number one video on YouTube for waiting to have sex. Hmm. Google, you know, if you look on YouTube and put in no sex before marriage or waiting to have sex, it's the number one video that pops up. So um, it was just, you know, kind of all happened at once. And, and then since then, you know, now I have a lot more people reaching out. And does that, now, yeah. Do, does that, I mean, does that validate kind of what you're doing now having the, I guess, the blow up in response? Do you, do you feel more validated in, I guess, what you have really kind of put as your purpose with this stuff? Yeah, for sure. I feel definitely more bold to speak up about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I always loved it. I would get so, you know, when I would talk to my friends about sex, I would get so fired up. I get so passionate. So I really felt like that, you know, maybe God was wanting to use me there. Because I could feel the way, like, I, it was just a feeling I got when I talked about it. And now that, yeah, now that I'm getting some responses back, yeah, I, I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to, with, you know, whoever will listen. Because, and, 
when I look at where I was when I started, I just had no idea. And I would have never, you couldn't have paid me to be abstinent. You know, like I just didn't understand it at all. It was, I just was, it was just a dumb idea. Um, honestly believe it's the best strategy for find not only for finding love but for finding the life that you want because mm -hmm. you, you know when you for me when I cut when I cut that out of my life I was able to figure out my purpose and I, I, I just use the energy to work on myself and and you know my craft which or for my organization yeah but also I was able to like I, I say there's a direct connection between your seriousness about waiting to have sex and your ability to connect to a healthy community. And I talk about in the book, it's almost like the immersion technique like, where you want to learn a language. Like everybody wants great friendships. Everybody wants these friends that have your back that, you know, you love hanging out with and love doing stuff with and you can trust. And you know what I mean? Like everybody wants that. But it's like you're not when you're not committed to waiting to have sex, your need for that goes way down. You're always focused on finding your next sex partner. So you're like, yeah, you know, but when you don't have sex to fall back on, you have to cultivate great friendships or you just won't survive because you get so freaking lonely. Yeah. Yeah. What it did for me is I had to surround myself with good people and, and that, and by having that community and that support group, it pushed me through all the painful changes that I had to make to become this better version of myself and now ultimately reach my purpose. So for me, I, I always say second, second only to my decision to follow Jesus, like to put sex, you know, to wait for marriage. That was the best decision of my life. Yeah. Well, it's cool to hear. I, I mean, I, I'm really glad that we got to have you on today and, and talk about all this because, again, just, you know, a big part of what we try to do on, on this podcast is have conversations that maybe people are uncomfortable with or maybe they don't even agree with the side. But I think a big part of all this stuff is let's actually critically think about, you know, where we're valuing things and and you know, am I looking at it the right way? Am I following the path that could make me the best person that I want to be within myself? So I, I really appreciate that message and what you're, what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate you guys letting me come on and talk about it. Absolutely. Uh, Rob, is there anything else that you specifically wanted to talk about today? Uh, so I, I developed a small group curriculum for the book. If anybody wants to pick up the book, they can find it on Amazon or they can go to whywaitingworks.com. You can get an ebook for five bucks. Um, and group curriculum for the book and we have groups meeting now and in different cities we have one in new york meeting we have one in houston we have one in newark delaware and uh one in hartford county i think we have one in baltimore so we have like five or six groups meeting but we've had people reach out from all over the united states even internationally and if anybody is interested in starting a small group they can reach out to me directly rob at cityfam.com let me know what city they're from. And if we don't have someone in that city, we can give you more information about how to start a small group. Um, but ultimately, we think that, uh, you know, it, it could potentially lead to city fam chapters in all these places, because uh, that's really how we started. It was just a couple of us that were kind of, you know, trying to make better decisions and uh, have fun without regret. And, it, it, you know, kind of snowballed into something much bigger here in Baltimore. So we really believe that it's a start of something, a start of a movement, you know, like the, like I talk about, you know, not being able to, you know, making these better decisions. I was following Christian principles, but I just couldn't relate to the. I feel like there's a whole lot of people out there that probably are in that same place. You know what I mean? And they're mm -hmm. and maybe they're making better decisions and they're just bored out of their minds or maybe they're in maybe they're in the bars and they're like you know what's the alternative you know and they're just staying there because they don't think there's anything any good alternative so we we believe that we are that good alternative and we just really want to share that with as many people so you can find me uh you know i have a website rob uh, dot com, and, and that's my username on instagram and facebook as well so if anybody reach wants to reach out that's how they can find me or if anyone wants to uh, get Dolphin Tail on Redbox, Rob will uh, pick it up for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I looked that up. I didn't know what that movie was. Just oh, looked God. it up. Terrible. <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh man, yeah, <laughs> too funny. Um, all right, well, we wanted to say uh, thanks, Rob, once again for being on here today. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you are interested in being a part of our experience here on the Everything Must Go podcast, you can send us an email. Our email is emgpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram are at emgpod. You can also leave us a voicemail at 513-427-EMG5. Aside from that, Brandon, do you have anything else? No, I, I think any sort of interaction with you guys on this episode with Rob would be great. Um, I, I definitely want to keep in touch with you, Rob. And if we get any good questions for you, I'll send them your way so we can get your, your input on that. But thanks again so much for uh, being here with us today. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks for letting me share. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take it easy.